0: Thank you so much, Alyssa. What a powerful message to us this morning, flowing right out of what we heard from our mayor this morning, the songs this morning, is the fact that we have a choice to make in our lives. Who are we going to live for? How are we going to be empowered? And what is going to be the direction of our life? And so as we jump into our Psalms series, we are turning in our Bibles today to one of the most beloved books in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. And so turn with me to Psalm 1 this morning, and as we look at the Psalms this year, we will have a wonderful opportunity, of course, not to go through every one of the Psalms, but we are taking a selective look at some Psalms throughout the 150 that are given to us in the Old Testament And uh, it's going to be a wonderful series because the Psalms are, I'm sure for you, a a book in the Old Testament that you go to in the experiences and uh, the troubles and uh, the excitements of life. And it's a very incredible book. As a matter of fact, I brought along with me this morning a couple current hymn books, one one that I had on my shelf from 1840, one I have on my shelf that is more uh, contemporary, more uh, current. Uh, One of them has only poems. One of them has all of the score listed as well. And I was thinking to myself that what what I'm holding here in my hands this morning is basically the same idea of what we see in the psalm book of the Old Testament. The book of Psalms is songs. It is poems. It would actually be more... Comparable, more related to this songbook from the 1800s, which, if you look through it, is incredible. This is actually a Baptist hymnal that has many, many songs, specifically from Isaac Watts. I love reading through these poems. There, there are some musical notations, uh, but primarily it is a book of poetry. And so as we look at the Psalms, we need to first of all understand some of the nature of the Psalms and the songbook of the Old Testament. And the first thing that you need to understand is that what we hold in our hands is the inspired Hebrew poetry. It is inspired of God. And one of the key things that you understand when you read poems, and especially Hebrew poetry is that we have a lot of what is called parallelism. And I listed on the screen several different types. Depending on who you read, there are actually uh, maybe a couple more as well. Different types of parallelism where you have one line of the poem being either explained or repeated or disagreed with or uh, figuratively um, the meaning is given in the second part of of the, of the line of the psalm. And so parallelism is something that you will notice as we go through the different psalms that we will see be uh, talking about in our chapel services. And so even here in Psalm 1, in a moment, you're going to recognize those statements of the lines because they're, they're written in Hebrew poetry, they're written in a rhythmic way, they're written in a poetic way, they're written in an artistic way. And that's going to be neat to notice as we go through the Psalms. Um, not every speaker, and even I today, I'm not going to point out to you all of the parallelism that you will see even in uh, Psalm 1 this morning, but uh, I'm sure that many of the speakers will be uh, referring to this idea in the Hebrew poetry. And what, what I can tell you is that this is, a great, this is a great hymn book, and this is a great hymn book of poems, but there's no greater hymn book than the inspired one. And so the inspired Hebrew poems of the Old Testament are incredible. As a matter of fact, I just pulled out another one, and this is actually one one that I just uh, like to look through as well, because at the beginning of this uh, hymnal, which is called the Church Psalmist, uh, they have done what many have done, like we even did this morning. They've reworded the Psalms in, in current poetry. Of course, this is the 1800 poetry. We had a little bit more current one this morning, but they actually reword many of the psalms so that you can actually see it in, and hear it in your, your own uh, vernacular and language. And so we want to see that they are inspired poems. Secondly, let's notice this. They are loosely organized. They are loosely organized. We know that God's word has a plan, has a path, and many of the books of the, of the Bible, you can see a very particular organization. And uh, yet in the book of Psalms, really we have a kind of loose organization similar to what you might see in a hymn book. Here is one commentator, Derek Kidner, who said, most modern versions mark out the division of the Psalter into its five books. And I've seen, as I've read, and have just researched a little bit concerning this that many of the commentators will recognize this, the five books, and you see the the listing of, of the beginnings of those books, which are all set off with a doxology at the end of each of those five sections. The basis of this is to be found in the Psalter itself, which crowns each of these groups with a doxology. Its structure, Psalm's structure, is perhaps best compared, I like this, with that of a cathedral, built and perfected over a matter of centuries in a harmonious variety of styles, rather than a palace displaying the formal symmetry of a single and all-embracing plan. And so it's important that we recognize as we look at selected psalms, and it was interesting as we were even scheduling the different speakers, we were really not all that concerned with, making sure that we got Psalm 100 before Psalm 120 or whatever. We're, we're actually not that concerned with the order other than we're going to start with the prologue, which is Psalm 1 today, Psalm 2, I believe, uh, it will be the next message. And then we will end with the doxology, and it's actually four psalms at the end of the book of Psalms, but specifically Psalm 150 which is the final conclusion that we should, with all of our breath, praise the Lord. And of course, in the songbook, that is one of the, the themes that we see. So there's a loose structure. Number three, notice that they are meant to touch our affections. I love this. I'm a musician and a theologian, and I do, do love the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms does what we're doing every day in chapel, singing poems that touch our hearts. We affirm them together as believers We do it as a congregation. And uh, these these poems, artistic expressions in the forms, whether it's the Hebrew poetry or our our English language, these poems are meant to touch us in a very specific and special way. One writer said it this way, their lyrical character implies that the subjects treated are not mere matters of of objective contemplation but reflections rather on their influence upon the psalmist's soul. Let's skip down to the second part, the second paragraph. The psalms have among other roles in scripture one which is peculiar, peculiarly to their, their own. Notice this, to touch and to kindle us rather than to simply address us. Now I want to just be careful to say there, that this does not mean that we cannot give very dogmatic statements of how we are to live, but I think that because of the nature of the poetry and the forms and expressions and many of the similes and metaphors that are used, I think there is clearly an intention in this Hebrew poetry to touch us deeply in our hearts and deeply in our souls. And you're going to see that in many of the different uh, psalm uh, messages that we have this semester and next semester. And then finally, I think this is obvious, in the songbook of the Old Testament, they are meant to be vocalized. They are meant to be vocalized. Uh, one writer said it this way, the present collection of psalms was intended for use in the divine service of the congregation. Yet this does not imply that all the particular psalms were composed with this directly in view. It is self-evident that the sounds of the words as they are brighter or gloomier and the shading of the tone in general stand connected with the feeling expressed in them. The same is true of the rhythm, the movement of thought or the pulsations of the feeling expressed in the more tardy or more rapid sequence of the syllables and words. And even in reading this, if you're a musician, you see a lot of terms here that would refer to this idea that The intention of the Psalms was that they would be used in divine worship and they would be either spoken together or they would even be added to instruments of music. And interesting that actually the word Psalms has that idea. It's a song played with additional musical instruments. Okay, So we obviously see in the Psalms that this is meant to be Musical. It's meant to be vocalized. And some of them would be chanted, some of them would be quoted, some of them would be sung. And uh, it's wonderful when we even have, a, uh, even as we did this morning, we ha- we're able to sing uh, a kind of a contemporary uh, translation of Psalm 1 that we'll be singing as our theme in each of our psalm services. And so this is kind of the nature of the book of Psalms. This is really important that we recognize as we study each of the Psalms together. Now let's notice just quickly the purpose of the Psalms. And I just want to encourage you to think about this, that the purpose of the Psalms, we may say, comes from the idea that starts the book of Psalms. It is in Psalm 1, blessed is the man. And I think it is neat to see this theme, which may be one of the main themes And maybe the connecting theme throughout the Psalms, the word blessed or being under God's blessings. Oh, how blessed or oh, how happy or oh, how maybe we could say how enviable a position it is to be in a right relationship with God. And so this this idea of blessed is used 26 times in 19 different Psalms. And specifically at the beginning of The book of Psalms, we have chapter, or excuse me, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Technically, they're not chapters, they're poems. And so Psalm 1 begins with blessed. Psalm 2 ends with blessed. And we will have a message on Psalm 2 coming up next in our series. But just to encourage you about something, Psalm 1 helps us to see the incredible allegiance that we owe to God and the choice that we need to make. Psalm 2 helps us to see that that allegiance and that choice to live in right relationship with God demands an anointed one. And Psalm 2 is is the first what we might call messianic, messianic psalm that literally reveals to us that the only way to be blessed is to have a Savior. And so this possibly could be a very good theme for us, which is why we've chosen for our theme planted and productive, living the blessed life. This is a theme that we have, well, that we have put together for each of our sermons uh, as we go through this psalm series. And so I want to quote my favorite Hebrew scholar, my favorite Old Testament scholar, Dr. Andrew Goodwill. <laughs> One of the purposes, he says, if not the purpose of the psalms is to show the enviable position of the person who has a close, personal relationship with the God who reigns over all creation. And I do believe that this is a wonderful statement of maybe what we could call a central theme of the book of Psalms. And even that statement alone and each psalm that we will look at has this intention of deeply affecting our soul and our hearts and our emotions and then our activities of life. And so this leads us into our first psalm, Psalm 1. As we see this theme, planted and productive, living the blessed life. And uh, this is where the theme comes from because Psalm 1 is the prologue and is the beginning of the book of Psalms. I love what Spurgeon said about Psalm 1. He said, this psalm may be regarded as the preface psalm having in it a notification of the contents of the entire book. It is the psalmist's desire to teach us the way of blessedness and to warn us of the sure destruction of sinners. This then, he said, is the matter of the first psalm, which may be looked upon in some respects as the text upon which the the whole of the psalms make up a divine sermon. That's from uh, Spurgeon's Treasury of David. And so Psalm 1 is presenting to us this theme. The choice is yours. This is the title of my message this morning. The choice is yours. I have to tell you, decision making in the Herpster home is always a bit difficult with my four daughters and my wife. I'm the only man. So there are decisions that come up in our home, and though I'm very bold and courageous and driven, I love to make sure everyone is happy. And so I'm constantly asking about what choices they want to make. And decision-making in our home especially is a bit difficult when when we're traveling and I'm asking, where do you want to go to eat? How many of you struggle with this with your family, all right, that, Everybody has differing opinions. For me, the decision is usually very easy. Chipotle. (laughs) Or some other Mexican restaurant. Literally, I could eat Mexican food almost every day. Chips and salsa. I can almost taste it right now. But most often, when I pass the choice to the back of the minivan, the choice gets much more difficult daddy i want to go to panda express chinese american chinese it's okay i don't mind it but mexican's much better hey dad what about chick fil-a and the, and and my other daughter goes dad i don't want to go to chick i have a daughter who doesn't want to go to chick fil-a the decisions are very difficult and and opinions fly around the minivan, and uh, usually I turn to my wife Amy and I say, where would you like to go? Now, it's, it's crazy because most of us as men, w- we care very deeply about where we eat, and my wife's response is usually, you know what, I don't really care. And uh, that's, that's really never the choice that I have, okay, even though I'm trying to meet uh, the needs of my family. You know, when you think about the idea of choice, choice is the ability to make a decision, When presented with at least two options, probably this is the greatest power that God has given to us, the power of choice. He did not make us robots who mechanically or instinctively do his bidding, but rather he made us in his image as moral creatures with an ability to choose. The choice is yours we read about some of these choices early on in the old testament deuteronomy 30 verse 19 i call heaven and earth to record this day against you that i have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live Joshua 24, verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. You see, the world has its way of placing people in an enviable position of fortune or prosperity. These individuals are held up on a pedestal. As if to say to us as believers, you need to be like them. Strive to be like them. The world has its way of lifting up people and saying, be like them. All of the powers of our media, all of the powers of advertisement, politics, entertainment, influence in our society are preaching to us this false narrative. Be like these people. The people that they are saying are blessed The people that they are saying are in the greatest position. And yet this is very dangerous and deceptive. Colossians 2:8 says, "Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ, and, and, and though it seems to promise true happiness and satisfaction. It's a lie. Jesus said, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Will we believe the lies of the culture? Will we believe the lies of the culture and pursue our own way of wickedness? Or will we believe God? Will we believe in God's plan and his path to true success and true blessedness and true happiness? This is is the very choice that is given in Psalm 1. The way of the wicked or the way of our relationship with God. So the theme that we want to look at in Psalm 1 is simply this. God's blessing is with those who desire and decide to be righteous. And we're going to look at this question, how can we be inspired to do this? How can we be inspired to desire and decide to be righteous? Well, Psalm 1 is going to give us that answer in these three crucial aspects, uh, aspects of this crucial choice. Psalm 1, it is obvious that this is the choice. There's only two options. And so we want to look at these uh, aspects of this choice. The choice is yours. And of course, this morning, my goal is that you would make the right choice. But you know what? Nobody forces you. You have to make the right choice. And that is the choice that is given here in Psalm 1. Notice, first of all, the foundation of the choice. We're going to move quickly. The foundation of the choice. And I like to say that this, uh, this point answers this question. Who am I going to listen to? Who am I going to listen to? And this is found in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law doth he meditate day and night. And so what we see is a negative and a positive. And verses one and two are laying for us the foundation of this choice. Who are you gonna listen to? Who are you gonna listen to? And you can either listen to the way of the wicked or, or the way of the world. And, and these three ideas that, that there is parallelism in this, these three statements who walk in the counsel who uh, stand in the the way, who sit in the seat. We saw that in verse 1. Blessed is a man who does not do that. And so the way of the wicked is described in these ideas, walking and standing and sitting. And and what what are you going to pursue? Who are you going to listen to? And we see it also in these three words, the word counsel, which is is literally referring to uh, the thinking of the world. Or the philosophy of the world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I think that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about the earth, the globe, or even the things or the people or the animals of the world. We are talking about the system or the thinking or the philosophy of the world when we say love not the world. And and what he's warning us about in Psalm 1 is, is a blessed person is not someone who is listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm 33 verse 10 says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. We should not be listening to them. We should not be following the way of the wicked. The second idea is the way. The word way in the text refers to the behaving of the wicked. Not only is it the thinking of the wicked, but it's the behaving of the wicked or the conduct that is being lived out in their lives. And, and of course the New Testament tells us in Romans 12 verse 2 to not be conformed to this world. The word conformed literally means externally pressed into the mold. And so this is the idea also in the New Testament. And then he mentions the, the, the seat. So the counsel, the way, and the seat. This would refer to the belonging. And the feeling like we're, we're friends of the world, we are associated so much, we're a little bit like often, we're a little bit like Lot's wife. And even when God was rescuing her from Sodom and Gomorrah, she had such an association, such a belonging in Sodom that she had to look back. And James 4, verse 4 tells us friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so this is our choice we can either go the way of the wicked and listen to their counsel and do their, uh, do their, uh, their, their deeds and their conduct. Or, and we can even associate ourselves with the way of the wicked. Or, as Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 teach us, we can go the way of the word. The way of the word. I think this is clearly what we're seeing. Who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the counsel of the wicked and go in the conduct of the wicked, belong to the wicked, or are you going to listen to God and specifically his law? The law of the Lord, which of of course at the time of writing was most likely referring to the Pentateuch, the Torah, the Torah, But, of course, we understand that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in the word. And so he tells us to delight in the Lord, in the law of the Lord. The Bible is deeply appreciated by those who are blessed by God. And the Bible is diligently studied. He says we're to be meditating on it, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. It is to be diligently studied. The word word meditate literally means to mutter it. And, and this is not necessarily verbally muttering it. Sometimes that is the case. But that means throughout our day, we are consistently bringing up the truth of the Bible. We know who we're following. We know who we're going to listen to. We're not going to listen to the wicked. We're going to listen to the word. And the Bible is definitely guiding us, definitively guiding us. Day and night, I love that in, in the psalm. And I think this is, this is what we're hopeful of in this institution That you will understand that literally everything we are doing, life uh, for us as believers is based upon the word of God. And God's word is sufficient. And God's word is inspired. And God's word can give us everything we need for life and godliness. And so this is the foundation of the choice. And I do not want to just casually and foolishly assume That every one of you that is at Maranatha Baptist University has already decided who you're listening to. Who will you listen to? Those who are blessed by God are desiring and deciding to be in his blessing in this relationship with him. God's blessing is on those who desire and decide to be righteous. So who are you going to listen to? Let's notice, secondly, the illustration of this choice. As we look at these three aspects, number one, the foundation. Who are you going to listen to? This is interesting. In the poetic language of Psalm 1, incredible pictures, incredible metaphors that are given to us. Let's notice the illustration of the choice. And by the way, this is also an illustration that is Repeated in the prophets as well, specifically Jeremiah 17, verse 5. I love this text. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord, for he shall be like the heath. That King James word means a bush, a small tree. He shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. So this is a, this is a theme or a metaphor, or a picture that is repeated other places. What are you gonna be like in this choice? You can choose to follow the way of the wicked. You can choose to follow the way of the word. Who are you gonna to listen to? The choice makes a difference because when you make that choice, this is what you're gonna be like. So the psalm says this, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So I think these two verses show us the illustration or the picture of what Depending on who you're listening to, this is what you're going to be like. So what are we going to be like? First of all, you can be like a tree based upon following the word, delighting in the word, diligently studying the word, definitively letting the word of God guide your life. Guess what you're going to be like? You're going to be like this planted tree. And I love that idea. This is not a tree that just naturally grew. It was planted. And there's only one person that can plant us, and that's God. And the way he plants us and the way he gives us stability is, first of all, through our salvation through forgiveness of sins. And just a reminder that Psalm 2 is going to re- refer to this. Psalm 2 is going to show us that without the Savior, without the Son of God, the anointed one, the prophesied one, there is no possibility to be planted like a tree. But when you are planted by God, you are stable and nourished and distinctive and growing and productive and durable, resilient, persevering these are characteristics of a strong steady stable tree or you can be like the chaff this is the obvious illustration given in these verses that we've read you're either stable and secure and growing and nourished or you are rootless dry fleeting dead useless feeble and most of you understand that in, in the ancient world, they would throw the wheat up in the gra- uh, uh, from the ground and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow away what was not lasting. The wind would blow away the chaff. The chaff was what's, what, what the wind would blow away. And there's many references to this. Hosea 13, verse three. Therefore, they shall be as the morning cloud, speaking of the wicked people, and as the early dew that passes away. It's fleeting, it's trivial. And then he says in Hosea 13, 3, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke out of the chimney. Okay, don't you see that the choice is being put before us? Your choice, it is your choice. God is going to bless those who desire and decide to be righteous. And you won't be righteous if you're listening to the wicked. And you won't be righteous if you're like the chaff which the wind Drives away. The foolish shall not stand in his sight. You see, these are are the options for us this morning. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. If you are a true believer, I think the choice is obvious. If you're not a believer here this morning, maybe you're still struggling with your salvation. I do believe that Psalm 1 actually can help us to see that even in the matter of our eternal soul. And our eternal destiny and our salvation, the choice is you're either lost or you're rescued. I think Psalm 1 can have some application there, and we'll see that when we get to this final point. All right, so uh, number three, let's notice the implications of this choice. The implications of this choice. God, If God's blessing is on those who desire and decide to be righteous, then let's make the right choice And what happens, In what are the results? What are the consequences for this choice? Or What are you going to learn this morning from Psalm 1? Well, Psalm 1, verse 5 says this, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I do believe there is a reference here To eternal judgment. I think there are temporal judgments that people face, but I believe this is a reference to really our entire life. Our entire life is at stake. All right. So Psalm one is helping us to see that we have these two options: we can either learn uh, to be in God's judgment, or we can learn to be in God's knowledge. That's what we see in these verses. God's judgment, which is stated in these in this reference. They they, they will not stand in the judgment. In other words, you have no leg to stand on. If you go before God and you live the way of the wicked and you did not live the way of righteousness, imputed righteousness by Jesus Christ, sanctified righteousness through your your choices of faith as you live for Jesus Christ. Uh, If you have no righteousness, then you have no, no ability to stand at the judgment. And uh, the Bible tells us there's a great white throne judgment and whoever's, whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is cast into the lake of fire. And so you are condemned by God. And this is interesting that you're not found in the congregation of the righteous. You are literally separated from God and separated from all of God's people. And then he uses at the end of Psalm 1, he uses the word perish, which is the same word used in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not what perish. So that's being doomed and being condemned and perishing and and suffering the fruit of your your sin and and what you justly deserve for all eternity. This is this is the ramification or the implication with this choice. To be righteous in God's sight and follow His way, the way of His word, which is like a planted tree that is strong and stable. Or to follow the way of the wicked and be blown away like chaff and, and have no standing before God. This is the choice that is laid before us. Oh, I'd much rather be in the knowledge of God. And this word to know in this text is not just referring to His the information about us, but specifically, more emotionally and more affectionately, his approval of us, his care for us, his protection for us. He's guiding us, he's providing us for us. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Nahum 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Don't you see This amazing choice that is set before us here this morning. The choice is yours. We've seen the foundation of the choice. We've seen the illustration of the choice in Psalm 1. We've seen the implications of the choice. And what this psalm is teaching us is that God will bless and is blessing. And this is the most incredible position we can be in under the blessing of God that God is blessing those who desire and decide to be righteous. Through justification, through sanctification, as we pursue this relationship with God, oh, the blessings, oh, the great benefit that we have when we live in the righteousness of our great God. And so the choice is yours. I thought it'd be interesting to conclude today by reading one of the Poems that is given in this psalter, uh, that was kind of a rewriting of Psalm One, and I thought it was really powerful. It's actually in six stanzas, just like the six verses. And this is the song. There's actually six different uh, English translations here in this book that the congregation would have, and they would sing, sing, and say some of these psalms. And this is one of them. Blessed is the man who shuns the place where sinners love to meet, who fears to tread their wicked ways and hates the scoffer's seat, but in the statutes of the Lord has placed his chief delight. By day he reads or hears the word, and he meditates by night. He, like a plant, generous kind, by living waters set, safe from the storms and blasting wind, Enjoys a peaceful state. Green as the leaf and ever fair shall his profession shine, while fruits of holiness appear like clusters on the vine. Not so the impious and unjust, what vain designs they form, their hopes are blown away like the dust or chaff before the storm. Sinners in judgment shall not stand among the sons of grace when Christ the judge at his right hand, appoints his saints a place. The choice is yours. What choice will you make? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, this morning we acknowledge to you that you have set before us a decision. Who are we going to listen to? What will we be like? What will we learn from you? Oh, Lord, I pray that we would learn the powerful lesson of Psalm 1 and really one of the primary purposes of the book of Psalms. That is, oh, how blessed we are when we are living in a right relationship with you. And whatever troubles and trials and tests come our way, Whatever sort of situation we may face, we know that if we are in right standing with you, we are righteous because of Christ. We are righteous because we are growing through the power of the Spirit and the Word. When we are following that way, the way that is blessed, when we are in that place, we know that we are experiencing all of the blessings and the benefits that you, our great God, can give us. God, I pray for our students here this morning. There's some that are listening to the way of the wicked. They're just like being blown around like the chaff. They might even be in judgment before you. I pray that they would confess. I pray they would get on the right course. They would make the right choice. The choice is theirs. And I pray this, would be all empowered by you, our great God, and your spirit that indwells us. God, I pray that even today that we would be living in that blessed place. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Help us to live that today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.